Hello, Victory Church in Charlottesville. I'm Brett Fuller. I happen to be the pastor of the guy who sent your pastor to you. I pastor in Chantilly, Virginia, near Washington, D.C., by Dulles Airport. And uh, about three years ago, we sent Pastor Paul and Taylor to you, and it was our privilege to send them out. We also sent some people with you. So I've got a real connection to you. Some of you know me, and you know me as a result of the sending. I've been uh, to your congregation on a number of occasions and preached to you. I, I was there at the start. Some of you don't know me because COVID has restricted our access one to another. Uh, but Pastor Paul and I have agreed that it would be good for me to present to you today. I know this week has not been normal, at least not for this church. Your pastor has felt like God has inspired him to go to another field of service. And that's hard. I get it. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good to me either. I mean, I'm not under his leadership, but I love him and his bride. I love his family, and I love what he has produced in you. And so it, it makes me feel a certain kind of way. I'm sad. I'm expectant that good things are going to happen to him in his, in his new field. But I also realize that something needs to be done to care for you. Something needs to be given that gives you hope about what tomorrow can be and how it can be really better than yesterday. So I am tasked today with the almost impossible uh, uh, effort to give you a degree of encouragement. And my hope would be that the Holy Spirit would inspire the words that come out of my mouth. Turn with me over to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. The title of the message is Progress in Transition. Progress in Transition. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 7. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Verse 3. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of the one who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. Verse 4. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, verse 7, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity has been taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Lord, help us as we study your word today. Three things on this passage about which I'd like to speak to you. One, a leadership vacuum. Two, the Lord who is enthroned. And three, what it means to enter into the next phase of your lips being cleansed. Isaiah was in a very insecure time period. Uzziah was one of the finest kings who has ever been historical in his reign. He reigned over 50 years. No king had reigned that long to, up to this point. And he was a good king. 
he made some mistakes at the end of his reign, but on balance, he was pretty phenomenal. Isaiah came into his prophetic ministry during the reign of Uzziah, but probably at the end of the reign of Uzziah. Isaiah would continue to prophesy in the reign of Jotham, who was Uzziah's son, and then Ahaz, who was Jotham's son, and then Hezekiah, who was Ahaz's son. And then probably we think Manasseh, and, and, and Isaiah may have been martyred during Manasseh's reign. So at least four kings Isaiah served, and maybe five. But this was his first, and his king was no longer there. He was insecure, didn't know who was going to be next. Leadership vacuum. I know where you all are. I know your feel. I, I get how you are turned around in your soul about what it's supposed to look like as a congregation. And this passage does not perfectly superimpose over your circumstances because Pastor Paul is not, he's not past. He's just going to a different field, but he is not going to be your leader. And so the circumstances in that way are similar. Isaiah lost his leader. And where did he go to try to find perspective? It says, I, was, I went to the temple. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord in the temple. Isaiah found his refuge in the house of Almighty God. Please listen to me. When you find yourself in insecure places, when you don't know what to do, when it's confusing, when, when the future looks really ambiguous and cloudy, it is really important that you gravitate toward the church more. You find your heart magnetically beginning to be pulled toward the kingdom and all that the church provides, even though the people, the person that you've trusted to give you the word may not be there. I want you to know somebody else is who's really important. Isaiah runs to the temple because he doesn't know where else to go. He has no idea what else to do. His leader is gone. He doesn't know whether the guy who's going to be next is going to be in any way as good as the guy who was. He has no idea what the nation is going to be. He doesn't know what his next, next job might be, whether he's going to be received well or not. And so he goes into the presence of God. And, and, and you would think that a prophet would not be surprised when he enter, enters into the, 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 the sanctuary. He wouldn't be surprised by anything that, that shows up, anything that happens. But he's surprised by this. God shows up. And hear me, even though there is a leadership vacuum created by your wonderful pastor, it doesn't mean that there is no leadership. God Almighty is still on his throne. And he is the one who began this church along with the efforts of Pastor Paul and Taylor. It is his church, not Pastor Paul and Taylor's. Just like Grace Covenant and Chantilly is not my church. Now, I identify with it as my church because I love it so much. I want my life to be enveloped in it, and so I call it my church. But it's not mine by way of possession. It's mine by way of identification. It is God's Almighty. It is God's church. And thus he has the responsibility to make sure that it is functioning well and goes toward its, its desired end. I trust him, and you should trust him more than you trust anybody else. Isaiah winds up in the house, and he sees the Lord surprising. Now, 
you know, it wasn't really prescribed. I mean, it's not like this happened all the time when you went into the temple that God just showed up on the throne. He was, he, he's there, but nobody, nobody has seen him like this before. This is the first time in the history of the temple where the Lord has shown up on his throne. Now, it may have happened before, but we don't have any record of it. This is the first time we have record of it. And Isaiah is blown away by it. Now, the Lord could have shown up in many different ways. He could have shown up just as a cloud, as he did in the days of Solomon when the, te when the temple was dedicated. He could have shown up uh, uh, like he did with, with, with Abraham, as, as three people, you know, coming to figure out whether Sodom and Gomorrah and the things that, said about, that were said about him were true. He could show up any way he wanted, but he showed up on a throne. Why? Because he wanted Isaiah to know, the guy who just left the natural throne. Mm, I'm different. I don't ever leave mine. You, you can trust me. Security was driven down into, into Isaiah's soul because he realized that the imagery God was creating was giving the kind of stability in, in Isaiah's soul that would allow him to get up every day and realize, okay, I lost my natural king, but the king is still on the throne. God showed himself like that special. And hear me, the Lord is on the throne. He's in the leadership role of Victory Church, and he is guiding, he is protecting, he is caring, he is stewarding, he is shepherding, he is, he is loving you if you will give him an opportunity to. So get close to his house that he might reveal himself to you in ways like you need. Isaiah needed to see the Lord on the throne because he lost the one that he trusted on the throne. God will reveal himself to you in the ways that you need. The Lord enthroned in this place that, that was proclaimed, meaning the Lord had, had, an, had, had people who were announcing. Maybe it was because Isaiah had never seen anything like this and he needed some real definition to what the moment was. I don't know. But two seraphim were there. Now, seraphim are a category of angelic beings. You've got cherubim, you've got seraphim, you've got archangels, Michael, Gabriel. Um, we think Lucifer was one of those archangels, three. And the Catholic Church says there are more. I don't know about all that. But I do know that there are categories of angels. And here we have seraphim. They had six wings. Yeah, God can make things any way he wants. You know. we use, we're used to seeing things with two wings for the most part, but... Remember, there are insects out there with three or four different sets of wings. You know, you, you got dragonflies, you got a bunch of them. Anyway, my point is that these were unusual beings, and they attended the Lord's presence. And when they showed up, they announced him there. And they announced him by his holiness, not his worthiness, not his deeds, not his covenant. They but they announced him by his nature. See, his worthiness is, is based on what he has done, and therefore he is worthy of receiving our praise, in most part. It could be on the basis of who he is, but there is nothing like saying he is holy that describes his nature. It's not just what he does, it's not just how he does what he does. It is who he is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, Isaiah was blown away. And I am here as a very poor version of an angelic being, oh, Florida, as I am, telling you the Lord is holy and pure, righteous and good, worthy of your praise. 
and he is seated on his throne. He needs a little bit of announcement because sometimes people won't recognize who he is. They won't recognize his presence even when he shows up. God Almighty is here. He's in the midst of victory, church, and he is going to lead it to its desired end. And I'm going to do everything within my power to help that process. I can't do anything good without God. And I surely cannot help in the stewardship of this church without him. I don't know what it's going to look like in the days to come. I don't know who's going to be your pastor. We're going to work with Pastor Paul, a core of the congregation, other leaders in the process of selecting who might be the right one. I believe there ought to be a sense from heaven as God anoints a person for that spot, and there ought to be an amen from earth that says, yes, we want him. My goal is not to try to create a, 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 a process that just makes you take somebody even though you don't want him, because I think he's good. That wouldn't help. I'm trying to figure out how can there be this synergy between the congregation, the extended leaders, the leaders, and heaven, along with me and Pastor Paul, whereby everybody says, duh, boy, look at what God has done. That is enormously wonderful. We like this person. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. That ought to be the response. Now, will everybody like the new guy? Probably not, because I pastor a church in North Virginia, and not everybody likes me. <laughs> so it's not that we're trying to get everybody on board with an amen in order to choose the right person. It's that we are trying to get a major consensus that, that lets us know the Lord is doing this. So, so hang in here with the process. But as we begin this process, I want you to know that that process is not without a proclamation that God Almighty is in your midst and he is working for your good. You may not see him in the natural, but I'm here to announce to you, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the entire earth. Victory Church included, is full of his glory. You can't see it because the pain of loss is so great, but he is in our midst. I'm now identifying with you and saying our. He is in our midst. Holy is the Lord God, and this earth is filled with glory, and we are going to see his glory manifested as we move forward. Now, whew. The thing that Isaiah recognized was not only that God was in the midst of the people ruling well, even when rulership naturally wasn't there, but there was a distinct revelation about how messed up he was and the people with whom he dwelt, how messed up they were. That everybody around him was messed up. Now, he was the lead prophet. This is the lead prophet of the nation. There are some other prophets who are contemporaries with him. Micah was one. Uh, Hosea was one. Other prophets who were contemporaries. And, 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 you know, gosh, you get that kind of prophetic utterance? It's like, wow, that's cool, man. You got all these prophetic, well, God's really moving in that generation. But here's the lead prophet. And this is what he has to say about his own mouth. He said, my lips aren't clean enough. 
There's something about being in the presence of God that reveals things to you that you didn't know prior. Or maybe you knew and you ignored, or maybe you knew and you didn't think it was really important. But when you get in the presence of God and His, His presence gets magnified, all of a sudden you realize, ah, I probably should have fixed that before I got here. The Lord was trying to inspire me and I wasn't listening as well as I should have. And now I'm stuck. I don't even feel, I just heard what the angels had to say about the Lord. I don't even feel I can join in their chorus because my mouth is too messed up. I've been saying some really bad things lately. Like, oh God, how could you let my leader die? Oh God, how in the world did I wind up in this situation? That was a really good king and now we don't have one. Oh Lord, I mean, if you really loved me, you would have let Uzziah live. Oh, mm. Lord, if you really loved me, if you really loved the church, you would have helped Pastor Paul stay. Lord, if you loved me, if you really cared, why did this happen? Lips not speaking as well as they should. There's nothing about this passage that implies that Isaiah had any faith about what the future looked like when he came into the house. In fact, the house was a place of refuge, it looks like, for him, not a place of progress. He wasn't coming in to try to figure out, Whoa, Lord, how can I partner with you and next? He was coming in trying to figure out, Lord, I've lost my yesterday. I don't have anything anymore. I need you. I don't know what to do. His lips were not filled with faith. That's my, my assertion. He said they're unclean. And when we do not let faith be that which proceeds from our mouth, we say things that not only belie our own commitment to God and our progress, but we injure and hinder the progress of others. During this time, we need to make sure that our mouths are speaking the right thing. Oh, Lord, okay, I don't understand everything, but I do know that you are here, and I trust you through this process. You brought me to this house. You brought me to these people. You, you grafted me in this vision. I plan to stay here. It doesn't matter necessarily who is and who isn't. Now, you care, but it doesn't make that much difference about who stays and who doesn't because Jesus is Lord of this church and this vision is going to continue. This mission is going to continue. Lord, you brought me here. You didn't bring me here to disappoint me. You brought me here to fulfill me. And I just need to, to figure out where you are in the midst of this insecurity so that I can latch on to you more and believe that you can progress me through this faster than if this had not happened. I know that's a, that's a big statement because your senior pastor is really the one who kind of spurs you on toward greatness and to your destiny and, and hope. But God is not uninvolved when the senior pastor is uninvolved. So this is where you're called now to latch on to the one who doesn't ever leave his spot, ever. Lips, and he says, I dwell among a people of unclean lips. The entire nation, he was the major voice piece. He was the primary and everybody else was way behind him. Now at his confession, the Lord says, oh, like I didn't know. I didn't just show up in order to let you know I'm here, though that was really important. I didn't just show up to, to, to reveal myself as one who was on the throne, though that is important. But I showed up to help you. Beyond your perspective, 
I showed up to help you so that you could be my vessel better. And he says he sees these two angelic beings whose primary role up to this point was just to announce. That's all they were supposed to do. But now one of the angels goes to the, the altar with some tongs and picks up one of the coals. Now, just for perspective's sake, the tongs are needed by the angel because the coals are so hot. My sense is that angels wouldn't be affected by natural heat because they are just supernatural beings. They move at the speed of light. They can do what they want to do. They're huge or small. Whatever they need to be, they are. But the coals that were on this altar were so hot that the angel needed to take tongs to get them. And Isaiah was watching the whole thing. <laughs> and he's sitting there looking at the angel getting the tongs, you know, pulling out a coal. And then the angel focuses his eyes, his gaze upon Isaiah, who's watching the entire thing. And Isaiah looking at the angel, the angel's looking at, at Isaiah, and the angel starts moving toward Isaiah. And Isaiah's thinking to himself, now this isn't written in scripture, but this is just breathtaking. Isaiah's thinking to himself, what you gonna do with that? With, what, 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 not, not me! You're not gonna take that coal and get that, no, hey, hey! I'm telling you, Isaiah had better manners than me. That angel would have to chase me all over the church. All over the church, I'm telling you. You gonna do what? Listen, the coal was so hot, the angel needed talks, and you want to do what? I, was, I, I wasn't real serious about unclean lips. I mean, I was serious, but I didn't know how serious you thought I was being. I'm not near as serious as you. Oh, what was the angel going to do? Touch Isaiah's lips with the coal. There are very few spots on the body that are more sensitive than the lips. Lots of nerve endings right here. Lots of them. Uh, I don't know how long that coal stayed there, but it was there long enough to cleanse Isaiah's lips. If your lips have been made unclean by what you have spoken lately, or you came into the environment and your lips have been unclean for most of your life, even though you got saved, you're right with God, you don't sound like it sometimes, and your pattern is doubt and unbelief. However, the condition of your lips, my sense is that they need to be cleaned. And you just can't put a, can't put a bar of soap in your mouth like mama used to do with, with us when our, our mouth said words that should not be said. God takes purifying agents and goes like this. And you know what it helped Isaiah do? It helped him to be a better spokesman, to give perspective to everybody else about what next looked like. Providing faith to very fear-filled environments. Hope to those who had less hope, hopeless. Isaiah now upped his ministry to a place where he would become somebody who could pen some of the most prophetic mess messianic prophecies in all of scripture, accurate, 
this man had a moment, and God wants to give you a moment. This, this is an opportunity for, for all of us to become more purified, more loving, more kind, more everything of what we should be if we, if we will allow the angelic beings, if you will, the messengers of God, that's what angels are, the messengers of God to come and bring something from the, the altar and purify our lips. Let there be a moment where we don't speak the same way we used to speak. We don't think the same way we used to think because now we're mindful of what has come out of our mouth and so we want to change our thoughts because that's where it germinates. We want to change our heart because here is where the seedbed lies so that when we do speak, we're speaking from the intellect that is, that is uh, being founded and most grounded in good theology and we are speaking from a heart that is holy God's and when our mouth begins to utter things, it sounds like God Almighty. It sounds like what a saint ought to say when he faces circumstances that he trusts even though he can't understand all. Saints, I'm with you. Two things I want to exit this sermon with. One, love your pastor. Love him. Love her. Pastor Paul and Taylor have given their life for your benefit. Love them, even in your pain. Love them. Treat them well. Honor them. Secondly, love your God in such a way that you love your church. And you love your church by speaking well of what tomorrow will be. Having faith every day. And trusting that God will bring about your best end and the congregation's best end if you trust him. I love you much. Bless you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good to us. You treat us better than we deserve. I'm asking that you would help this congregation to move forward even in the midst of this transition, that faith would arise so that it doesn't feel the same as it did yesterday, today, that people would have more hope about what you are doing in the midst of the church now. Not just what you will do, but what you are doing now and who you are to them now. Have your way, O oh Lord, please. Comfort them, help them, strengthen them. If there's anybody today who has yet to give their heart to Christ, or maybe you've made a decision in the past and your life doesn't look anything like what a believer's ought to be, I want to give you an opportunity today come home to serve God. If you fit in either of those categories and you want to get right with God today, raise your hand. Nah, I know this is a virtual world, but there may be some place on the, on the Facebook chat that allows you the privilege of acknowledging, I want to get right with God today. I'm coming home. I'm, I'm, I'm giving my life to the Lord for the first time. If you fit in those two camps, raise your hand, chat with somebody Say, I, please help me with this. I'll give my life to Jesus and pray this prayer with me. Say, Father in heaven, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I have lived my life. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer uh, in the chat, acknowledge it, and there will be somebody in the uh, 
Victory Church World Administration and Leadership who will contact you to help follow up with you so that you can be successful in the decision you made today. Proud of you. Thank you for praying. Church, I've got great hope for what tomorrow will be. Let's walk together in this and let's believe God for greater. Bless you. You're the best.